Mark, I'm pretty sure we are live. Um, this is Amir Ryder with Cloud9 Podcast. My guest, Mark Rubin. How's it going, man? CEO, good, I'm good. Partnernomics, did I pronounce it right? Yes, sir. So I'm excited about this conversation because uh, channel and partnerships, in my opinion, as we've discussed, I think are uh, going to become, you know, I would say a major source of revenue for B2B companies in 2021 and beyond. Before we start, I'd love to like just know some random fact about you, like something that like people can't tell uh, from research. Any, anything interesting you want to share or, or random? Oh, man, Mir, I, I have several different crazy things. So I've been shot at. I've done some skydiving, scuba Wait, diving. Wait, let's talk about the first one. I want to know more <laughs> about you being shot at. I skipped over that real fast. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't just happen. That one. Too many people, hopefully, but uh, yeah, man. So whenever I was uh, in college, so I spent six years in the Marines uh, in the Marine Reserves, but it, ironically enough, that's where you would expect that I got shot at, but yeah. I didn't, at least that I remember. Um, but uh, whenever I stepped into college, I, I'm actually a criminal justice minor and economics major, but I just, I loved law enforcement, shooting stuff up, right? I mean, that's why I was in the Marines, but uh, I was a bounty hunter in Kansas City. And I did it for about a year. And yep, I was on the third story of an apartment complex. And this dude just started blazing through the door. And I basically kind of half jumped off the third story. And that was my last day of being a bounty hunter. Interesting. <laughs> and so, so bounty hunters kind of like almost like a channel partner, right? They're like, wait, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like middle this whole bail thing right and get a little bit of compensation is that is that where you is that where you got your your uh your, your partner and channel roots yeah that's where oh, i man. learned the, the whole partnering concept With no guns right you're like this is the right idea let me just yeah. do it for technology companies and, and, and companies alike yeah it seemed um, like focusing on partnerships and training and consulting those things would be a lot less uh dangerous than getting shot at and run around with guns without asking you i almost had a sense that you're a marine i don't know why um don't I'll ask. take that as a compliment, like, but it's, a compliment. it's not always. <laughs> I meant it as a compliment. Uh, <laughs> so we, we met, we were fortunate to meet because, because I know that we at CloudTest, we're, we're, we're pushing really hard our channel. We need help with our channel. We're also helping people channel. Um, a lot to talk about, but I think the first thing I'd love to learn about this is like maybe your career path. How did you, how did you get into, you know, to obviously consult for channel. I'm sure you've had to experience channels that worked well and were broken, uh, you know, what, what was uh, your career path like in this, in this area? What, how'd you have your start? Yeah, well, I just lucked into it, actually. Uh, both of my parents are lifelong business owners, so I knew that the end game was to run and own my own company. But uh, yeah, so I, was, I spent six years in the Marine Corps Reserves while I was going to college. And my first, so when I was in the Marines, my specialty was telecommunications. And I live in Kansas City. And a mentor told me, gave me some advice, hey, go work for the biggest company you can and move around as much as you can within that company so you can figure out how business works. Go yeah. sell stuff, go build products, go negotiate contracts, go do all these different things. And so I, I was able to get uh, on at Sprint and I quickly found this world of strategic partnering, of biz dev you know, of building these different products and leveraging channels and distribution channels, sales channels, referrals, all of these different things. So early in my career, I just became fascinated with being able to leverage the power, knowledge and assets of other people and other companies. Yeah. 
Interesting. And, and for those that are listening, uh, we use the word partner, channel, it can confuse people, right? Um, you know, what we're talking about is somebody who is affiliated with an organization and receives a financial incentive, but is not an employee, right? Almost, almost kind of a way of saying it, right? Yeah, I mean, just leveraging the capabilities of third-party organizations, kind of going outside of your your company's walls. And what types of partnerships do you see? What are the primary like types of, of partnerships? I've seen technology partners, retail partners. Like, what are they? The most common standard? Like, this is these are the the, the buckets that people typically fall into. Yeah. So the way that we break it down is there's there's essentially five. And as you know, people can get super creative, you know, so you kind of have yeah. some, some morphing of each of these, but in a nutshell, there's what we call an alliance partnership. And that's like a lot of the co-branding, co-marketing. Frankly, whenever you think of it, it's these, these relationships that's um, very light touch, very low commitment, very convenience driven. You know, mm -hmm. if it works for me, if it's convenient, I will do it, right? So that's kind of an alliance partnership. Uh, referral partnerships, right? The traditional matchmaker, hey, I found somebody that might be a fit for you and then they just tee up an introduction, you run with it and you may or may not do a, a revenue share or some sort of a compensation on the back end. Um, channel partnerships, right? Which is another uh, side of sales partnerships. You know, generally when you think of sales partnerships, there's really two major buckets. There's referral and there's channel. And on the channel side, it's just more involved. You know, so channel typically means that I'm not only going to find the opportunity, but I'm going to sell the opportunity. And I'm also probably going to do a piece of the implementation of, of that. Whatever. So channel, is channel and a reseller also kind of a, a common term that people would use? Yes, exactly. Okay. Yep. All right. That makes exactly. sense. And, and, and just stepping further down the cycle, all right? Yeah. And then as you mentioned, technology or integration, so it's where we're kind of doing the intel inside. You know, you have a something and then yeah. I'm going to put that in part of, as a part of my product or service. And then we now have a combined solution that we're taking out to market. And then a fifth, which is really kind of a, a catch-all, if you will, but essentially we call it a resource partnership. And that's basically just where you can take our, you, you can take on a, a, any type of a resource from another organization but the difference is, is the compensation is performance based. Mm -hmm. So instead of I'm going to pay Joe a thousand dollars for doing marketing for me, well, I'm going to pay Joe 20% revenue share for doing marketing for me. And what do we, what do you typically see that called? Can we be that one time? Let's... A, a resource, a resource partnership. A resource partnership. I've yet to see that. Interesting. Do you have any good examples of that that are like well-known brands that we would know? Uh, so there yeah there yeah. are definitely so um just like i had shared with you we have some folks on the marketing side mm -hmm. that just purely do like lead generation uh where they you know set up splash pages doing co-branding and they're essentially marketing for us being another front door for us and it's it's all of it's paid based upon revenue share yeah you know, for them. So it's, it's almost like an extension of, uh, you know, of what a referral partnership might be. But then there's also different cases where I've had one client that they needed warehouse space. 
They needed warehouse space for storage, but they were a young organization, didn't have a lot of money and didn't want to be locked into like a traditional uh, monthly or annual uh, fee for that. So what they did is they worked out an arrangement based upon uh, revenue that was generated by the, the products that was using that particular warehouse. So again, it's about being creative. It's interesting. And a lot of people don't know, I, I got exposed to this because I used to have a supply company, but like a lot of the electronics that we buy are mainly purchased through like master resellers, right? And master distributors, I think of Ingram Micro comes to mind and I found another company. Um, and this is powering a lot of businesses, right? I think there's some businesses out there that like won't even sell directly to you, right? And I think we as the consumers, we're not even aware of that, like that like a Best Buy might actually be working with a master distributor you know, they have the buying power to go direct too, but sometimes that's not how people go to market, right? Yeah, um, it's just all of their their strategy and, and being streamlined, knowing what they're good at. Yeah, it you, takes a lot of money, as you know, it takes a lot of money to have a retail face. Yeah, no, 100%. But do you see, do you see like a master distribution as also a form of channel and, and, and reselling? Or is that is that just a way of selling? Or how does that fit in there? Um, I, I mean, there's definitely some gray lines in here, but I think what, what you're describing, Amir, is... Uh, more of like a supply chain management type of a partnership approach. And it can have a lot of different things. Pieces of that can include, well, just like you have the Best Buys, the Walmarts of the world that have this full distribution network. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that could be a piece of, that could definitely be a channel, um, you know, relationship, yeah. uh, among other things. Interesting. So when it comes to... Um channel and let's like focus on, on the reseller part right like I, we're, we're sales and service so we like selling we like commission um you know do you find that b2b companies we focus on b2b and technology companies do you th you find that affiliate traffic or because typically i find it's more like here's an opportunity i can email you here's a lead but where does generally just affiliate stuff roll up into the channel like how does that play is it separate because i've i've actually worked with companies that, that were in void but had two separate teams they would have the reseller team in the channel and then they would the affiliate team they were completely disparate and for me i was like well it's all revenue and then the funnel why is it two different departments and how do you view that yeah so there's you know so as i mentioned there's two in this world of sales partnerships you know, you can kind of use different terms, but the way that we think of it is there's referral partnerships yeah. where it's just, I'm finding a lead and I'm throwing it over the fence and then you have to execute from there. And then there's the channel side, which is a lot more handholding. And there's definitely this gray area in between there. But on the referral side, it's really simple because every organization that sells already has a sales organization and they have a process whenever somebody raises their hand and say, I want to buy your stuff. Okay. We know how to work with you. And then they go through that process. So referrals typically very, very clean mm -hmm. where it gets a little bit gray is where we start to work down this channel approach where our partner is going to now start to do some of the stuff that we do. And we have to figure out exactly what that piece is. Mm -hmm. And is it, is it going to include them totally selling the client on us and closing the deal? Is it also going to include our partner doing some implementation and, and maybe even potentially ongoing nurturing, 
Yeah. You know, it could really be as far as you want it to go, whatever your business model is. Would we consider somebody driving traffic to, let's say, a website that has a free trial, a referral partner? Yes. Okay. I think also that word affiliate also kind of is synonymous with referral partner, right? Yes. You use the word affiliate a lot in B2C, right? Like selling shampoos and like little products and CBD oils. A lot right? of the Amazon world. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's a referral partner. Interesting. And, and yeah, so, so I, I think this leads to the next topic, right? There's a kind of like an explosion now of last generation of partner technologies like the CJ.coms and the Chili Peppers. And now there's these new breeds. What are you seeing in this explosion of, because uh, I think there really is a lot of affiliate and channel and partner technology companies out there. Are, are you finding that there's just like, almost is there a sales force of partner technology out there that nobody knows about? Like what's the gold standard? I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't think there, I don't think there is a, a secret, you know, a huge secret out there. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, buying products and, and even the, the term partnering is all about relationships. Mm -hmm. And I think even on the affiliate side is it's leveraging relationships that people have with a brand to expedite the sales cycle. And and that's very, that's very, very, very valuable. And so I think that, uh, you know, as people build these digital communities, they build influence, they yeah. build trust, um, they can shorten the sales cycle. So I, I think the point that, that you're making is spot on, and that is affiliates or leveraging other people's relationships will continue to to grow and be important in the future. Yeah, you threw a word out there, influence, right? Which brings up the topic of influencers. And I think, for me, I think that a lot of people, you know, think of that term, they don't even know, and they, they in their minds, and I'll, I'll be like candid, right? Like we're talking about people on Instagram who have lots of followers, and like, I want to become an influencer. I don't think they actually understand where the money that they want to get paid will come from. Because what in reality is, is that, and being an influencer, getting paid for it, you're becoming an affiliate of somebody, right? You know, and, and, and you are, and I don't think they realize that, right? I, I think they just say, hey, I'm an influencer because I have followers, right? And that's, I think that's the front half, right? But I think with a brand, why they want you as an influencer is not because you're cool and you have millions of followers and because you might take cool selfies. It's because you have people watching your profile that might buy your stuff. Right. Yeah, that's and exactly it. Gap where they don't really get that. They just kind of like want the fame. Right. And it's not like, why, right. Like, why do I want the fame? Right. Like, like, why should I get paid? Right. Um, and it's different words we're using for the same thing. Right. Like partner, uh, um, uh, influencer. Um, it's all the same thing. It's all about driving revenue. Right. And we're almost like making these marketing terms to attract different people into it. Because if you tell, you know, maybe someone on Instagram that, um, do you want to do affiliate marketing? And they're going to be like, no, but you're going to be like, do you want to do influencer marketing? And they're like, yes. Right. It <laughs> just doesn't work. Right. Exactly. It has to do with the actual actions of how you're driving revenue. And it's, so it's very interesting to see how it's growing already in the world we live in, 
but people are kind of turning a blind eye to it in the sense that they're not actually just calling it for what it is, right? And, it, and, and it's, it's basically a relationship that can sell your product, service, and grow it without being a full-time employee. It, in essence, CloudTask and outsourced sales organization is kind of what we are in a way, right? Um, and, it's, and, and people building channel is really ways of getting more of that revenue in without the liability and responsibility of, of hey, John or Tim, are you? working are you you know are you happy right um i I remember you know sitting down on a conference when we first started working we were like hey who who's cloud task right and then five years ago we thought we were going to actually do some erp which is big financial consultants and we partnered with a company called intact i remember sitting down in the conference and them talking about how of their 500 million in revenue they, they sold to sage for a lot of money 250 million came from channel, right? And for me, that was like, hmm, like that's a pretty big number, right? And, sure and, is. And, and you know, we don't get those reports, right? Like if you if you invest in a publicly traded company or your seed fund, you're not gonna get a report being like half the revenue came from channel, right? And, and it's in these kind of behind the scenes conversations where where you can really see that like, hey, um, they took a bet on channel, they invested in channel, they won on channel, right? Um, and, and people, I, I think a lot of earlier adopters will catch on to that, um, especially in this B2B SaaS world and ever-changing world. But, you know, I'm, I'm excited for organizations of yours because I know, I know we proactively reached out to you because we knew that you're a channel and, and we come across people that need that consulting, that help, right? Like we as CloudTest, we want to we make the meetings to find the right partners and help the tech. Um, do you have any, like, what's your, if you don't mind me asking, like, what, what for you as a leader, like what is it for someone to work with you and partner and, and partneronomics, what do they need to have as far as I would say like culture and fundamental? Is it something where like a, a leader needs to invest into need to be bought on? Or is it something where you find that like leadership can just turn a blind eye and, and a VP of marketing and channel can work with you? Like where, where does buy-in need to be for, for you to be successful? Yeah, great question. And we work with organizations literally from the, the top of the top, Fortune 10s, um, all the way down to very small organizations. Uh, from a very kind of practical level, it, in order for us to work with an organization, they need to have at least one person that's solely dedicated to partnering. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if they're trying to be the, the CMO, the marketing lead, and also the sales lead, and then they throw the partnering hat on for two hours a day, I've seen that a thousand times and it's never worked. Yeah. So, you know, very tactically speaking, that's it. But you bring up a great uh, point in what you're asking about. Really, it's the culture, the culture piece. Leveraging the power of, part- of partnership and really understanding partnerships, it definitely is a culture shift or a culture kind of broadening yeah. of an organization. And from the, the leadership, from the top, they have to understand and really embraced, embrace the addition of this strategy to, to leverage other organizations in order for it to be successful. I, I would think so, right? Because like when I told you my story as a CEO of sitting in Intact and hearing that, that report of 250 mil, that was impactful for me, right? That kind of like burned into my memory, right? And like I now 
and will always understand the power of channel, right? But if you're a CTO CEO, I find so many CTO CEOs these days, right? They've never sold anything. They don't refer anybody. They're not networking. How do you work with that kind of leadership that doesn't get the channel? They don't never seen it. They never understand it. Does that, have you worked with people like that? Because, you know, I would see that as being trouble in the sense that they're the ones that probably would be like, you know, I want to get a hundred million in revenue, but I'm going to invest 10K. You know what I mean? Like we're like, they probably have very unrealistic expectations and timeline. Is that, have you come across those? Yeah. So you hit the nail on the head and absolutely. We've definitely come across it. There's a lot of people that uh, the analogy that I use, I mean, everybody would, would love to be an expert pianist, but they don't want to go spend the 10,000 hours that it takes to get there. They want to get there in a week. A lot of people to, to your point, Amir is they, they want the revenue. They want the great, things that can come from a partnership, but they don't want to invest what it takes, both time and money and brain cycles to, to build a successful program. And so what we do is whenever we talk to them, we, we literally interview each of our prospective clients. And if they're not a fit, we've just seen it not work, you know, enough times that in 10 minutes of a conversation, I know if they can truly pull off a good partnering program or not. Yeah. And if they, if I feel that they can't, our, our coaches and consultants won't work with them. Yeah. I, I recently advised somebody and said, Hey, you know, I take out this partner technology because, because to be transparent, I referred them to business and never paid me commission. Um, and I referred them to technology. I was like, Hey, get this tech. It's great. It's got a marketplace. Um, they signed up and I got an email from the CEO being like, Hey, Mary, I signed up to this thing. Uh, I'm not getting much revenue out of it. Has it been working for you? And I like wrote back. I was like, you kind of have to like invest into actually finding the right partners. Um, and like I told him that, and then I, I saw anybody's like, you kind of just trying to sell more services, you know, but I'm like, I actually know how to grow this kind of partnership, but I think people think they're going to pay for a technology. You're going to pay for, for, and, and it's kind of just this false idea. Like technology just enables the scale of processes. It's the work around that technology, right? Uh, even investing in a consultant, right? If, if they invest in you, you're not going to turn around a program. You will if they follow what you're saying, measure it, follow it some more, right? But, I, you know, it's not going to be, I'm just going to hire a consultant. Now I'm going to have a channel, right? Um, and a lot of people, I think, fail to realize that it's an ongoing investment, right? It's an ongoing training. It's not the world where it's like in college, we graduate college, we had a master's, an MBA. There's, like, there's really never, it never really stops, right? And people think they're going to hit two check boxes. Now, I, I tried it. It didn't work. I got the tech. I got the consultant, right? Um, and they, they just, I think between you and I, I think they need to, I think, I think people need to almost post the stats more. Right? I think if people knew the revenue generated through partners of channels, it would be part of everyone's DNA. And I think that's a big opportunity. And I think it's an opportunity for us as leaders that help people channel to kind of talk about the results and talk about the outcomes, right? Um, because it has a, such a big effect. I'll, I'll give you an example of like a channel partner I have. Um, he's, a, he's a partner and he's a sales consultant and he does cold calling where people watch him, like hundreds of people, right? We've had meetings where people will call us and have meetings, like, yeah, I saw this guy cold calling, so I'm just interested in what you guys are doing, right? And, and you know, then I talk to my leadership because obviously I, I have a CFO and I'm CFO, and they're like, well, look at what we're spending and, and look at what we're investing. Where's the ROI? I'm like, well, what you don't see 
is you don't see the phone calls that we get, you don't see the meetings, you don't get the, you can't measure the awareness, the marketing effect that a partner can have for you, right? Um, and that's, people really struggle with that because we, we live in a world where they're always trying to measure every investment, right? Instead of looking at brand sentiment, revenue, gross profit margins, right? That's what successful companies look at, right? They look at that. Channel partnerships can be amazingly successful. Yeah. As long as people know what it takes to do that, you know, to to pull that off. I mean, I was, I've um, done, I've been lucky to be able to collaborate um, a lot with some different folks. Uh, But one in particular is Bernie Brenner. So Bernie was one of the founders of True Car, right? So Bernie was the, the lead, one of the founders that, stood up true car where it's it's a platform that revolutionized the car buying industry so instead of going in and negotiating kind of doing the the traditional um asymmetric information game getting your butt kicked because the the sales guy the the used car or even new car sales guy has so much information on you it puts you at a huge disadvantage well this platform you know neutralizes all of the information and basically it, the platform itself negotiates the price based upon all of this market data for the first 10 years of true cars life how many direct salespeople did they have zero yeah. all through channel it was all through relationships with insurance uh, in car insurance companies and it helped them build a company that was over a billion dollars before they ever went direct to market. Yeah. Nobody knows that. It's true. hundred percent. I, I, we have companies right now that we work with that don't have direct sales teams and they have only channel yep. and we part of their PDR team. And it, it just, it's uh, it's interesting. So I think, I, I think there are companies that do it right and do it well. I, I feel like there's a, a huge amount of SMBs in SaaS and software and other industries that are really, really, really going to be late adopters. Right. What would you say to any of those companies listening right now? Like, what's like your your number one takeaway message? If, if they're somebody who's thinking about channel, doesn't believe it'll work, right? Because that's the way they always believe it's not going to work. That's the thing. Right? It's a big subjection. Um, well, if they believe it won't work, then it probably won't. If someone says, "I don't <laughs> want channel service," I don't need channel. That just basically means they're basically saying, "I don't think I can make money." Really? Yeah, or they just don't understand it, or they haven't yeah. seen it. They haven't seen a good one work. The thing is, uh, they're going to be safe until their closest competitor gets the channel, and then they're going to see their market share go in the tank. Yeah, then they're going to be in catch-up mode. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you mentioned there's you know a lot of these different software companies, and and what we see on the channel side is again going back to the power of trust, the power of relationships with uh, these different organizations and these other, and these leaders within companies, really that's one of the things that channel does is, I mean, you may have a salesperson or uh, excuse me, an individual leader may have a sales team of let's call it 10. They can turn around and you can have two or three channel sales managers, but then they could activate a network of a thousand salespeople easier said than done but frankly and literally that's why we exist that's why partnernomics exists because it's all about having a framework about having systems and processes it's not about praying and hoping and as you mentioned you don't build the house and then walk away from it and the house is always there and good you're doing maintenance on it all the time right you're repainting it every couple years you're vacuuming the floors every week 
channel partnerships, any types of partnerships, they, they need to be worked on. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and, and I, so I used to work for NetSuite and, and in NetSuite, my quota was 1.7 million. Um, not a small number, not a crazy number. However, I was only limited to 122 companies that could actually buy from me in my vertical. Um, and on top of that, I lost business to channel partners where I got no revenue. And that was a poorly designed channel. I, I was, as an employee of NetSuite, I wanted out. Cause I was like, you're gonna give me this crazy quota. You're gonna tell me that I got 120 companies to sell to. That company just bought NetSuite in my quota, in my TAM, and I got nothing for it. Um, and these are the, the tweaks, right? That people need to do. Cause you need to like, as you change even your commission plans, like how do you handle conflicts between reps? Because sometimes it's not a conflict. Sometimes a rep is talking to a customer for six months, but it's that partner that can get it over the line, right? And people either have this world of, uh, yeah, it's your deal or yeah, it's his deal, right? And it's, it's not centered around the customer and how the customer wants to buy. It's centered on how you compensate and pay in the back end. And I think it's broken, right? Um, as a leader, what I do now, because I don't have all the data, is like, I kind of double pay, right? Like I, instead of taking away from a rep or a partner, I'm like, hey, I'm gonna approve this on both sides until I figure it out, right? Until I get data. Right, because doing it the other way around, you're going to burn one bridge. Right? You see that happening a lot, where people. Yeah, are... I mean, it's a so channel conflict, and there's lots of different ways and reasons it's for that. It's not the same conflict that you had with when you were bounty hunter. It's different. <laughs> exactly, that's very hunter. different. Yeah, yeah, this is a type where you're not getting shot at. Shots can get fired, though. It depends. <laughs> on but uh, yeah, it's about having systems, tools, processes, and then, frankly, you mentioned the word leadership. I mean, it's about having your people believe in you. And there's times that things are going to be gray. There's times when a situation is going to come up that it might not seem like it would be fair, but then they have to have faith in, in you and in the organization that they're going to be treated correctly and adequately, fairly uh, to make that happen. You know, whenever the, the, the thing with channel is that you're just, you're getting more people, right? You're getting more troops to go out and fight the fight by definition, you're in, you're, you're asking for some level of com competition fire. to find these people yeah. and you got to have a way around that. And it, it's not simple and it's not always clear, but, um, but there are ways that you can manage that and, and try to minimize the times that that happens. Mark, I feel like we're going to have multiple conversations because as a leader, I'm also going on a journey of becoming an expert in channel, right? Um, I, I kind of start off with the end goal where I want to build a strong channel and, and then working backwards. Right. And, and for me, you're, you know, you're an amazing resource and person to talk to because you're very passionate about doing it. Right. Um, what's the, for, for anybody listening, who's thinking about tech, thinking about channel, thinking about hiring it or has one wants to improve it. How can they reach you? How can they find you? Um, what's the best channel for you? What's, What's the best channel for you to talk about channel, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, our website, partnernomics.com. We have some, some cool resources out there. Um, obviously, all of us uh, professionals are out on LinkedIn, so easy to find there. But love to have conversations. As you ho can hopefully see, we're very passionate about what we do in partnerships. And we're all about helping people be successful. You know, the, these business-to-business, organization-to-organization partnerships, 70% of them fail within two years. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of our mission and our calling is to help people flip those numbers and make them better, make 
80, 90 plus percent of their partnerships work. And if that happens, it's going to be huge for your organization. I agree. And, and I hope to be part of that, that journey, letting people know about some amazing stuff you're doing. Um, Mark, I, I appreciate it, man. I thank you for, for coming on. I hope, to, uh, I hope to see you soon in person when you're here in Miami. Well, I've got a lot to learn from you too, Amir. So uh, I'm not going to be letting you get too far away from I me. Know. I know. I got some weekend time with you, man. We'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about business development and partnerships. It's all mixed, right? It's all about the end goal, right? Yep, that's it. Um, happy customers, happy partners, happy employees, maybe happy owner at the end of the day. Who, who knows? Right? It's a wild <laughs> That's part. the dream. Yeah. Thank you again, man. This is, this is Cloud9 Podcast. I'm signing off um, and have a good day. Yeah.